Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading is found on page 1001 in the Pew Bibles. It's taken from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let me add uh, my welcome to that of Tim's earlier in the service. Uh, Thank you, Tim, for leading us. And thank you for coming today. Uh, By by now, I hope you've uh, grasped uh, exactly what this day is about. For the last uh, four years, we've set aside one day in the year when we talk about our vision, our hopes, our dreams, what we're aiming for as a church family, and how we might give financially to make that happen. Now, let me encourage you, uh, again, to read this booklet uh, carefully. And if you've not uh, been here for the previous years, you might find it useful to get a copy of this DVD that we produced uh, four years ago. Uh, They're over in the church centre. As you go through the double doors, you'll see a a table in front of you. Do pick up one of those if you'd like. That will give you a backdrop to all of this, why we're talking about any of this at all. And please do ask us questions. If you want anything clarified or explained further, uh, we'd love to talk to you. And not least of all, when it comes to the money, Uh, we want to be transparent about everything, but very especially about the money. Uh, Paul will also be over there, and I know he would be very happy to answer any questions. One way and another, by the end of today, I hope you'll understand the vision, own the vision, be part of it, and indeed give to it. If you're a newcomer here again, although this has been said, let me uh, underline it. Uh, This is a good day to come, because uh, here today you should hear very clearly what we're about. And if you're a newcomer here, let me say to you that while we unashamedly talk about money today, because we need money to do this work, while we unashamedly talk about money, if you're a newcomer, please feel able just to listen in and without feeling any obligation to give financially. For the rest of us, for those of us who've been coming for years and those who perhaps in recent months have made this your church family, then please consider how you can be part of this vision uh, in every way and not least of all financially. Well, let's uh, turn to our Bible reading again, the reading that Alison has just read for us. Matthew chapter 28, page 1001. And uh, something else you might like to do, if you can still find this, there's a little handout uh, to tell you where we're going for the next 20 minutes. And uh, there'll be one moment in particular where I think that will be useful. So let me uh, pray for us now as we turn to the Bible. Heavenly Father, we've been singing and praying as we've been singing, but we pray it again, revive your church, O Lord. And we ask you to start with us, 
Revive, up, revive us here at Christchurch Forward, and may it be to your praise and glory. Amen. Vision Sunday, then. In a nutshell, our vision is to plant churches, to train leaders, and to grow forward. Sheffield is the fourth largest city in England, a city of half a million people, most of whom know nothing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have a vision, a dream, if you like. I have this dream of, uh, of the half a million people who live in Sheffield never being far away from a faithful church where they can meet the living saviour of the world. I have a dream of, of real, vibrant church communities all over Sheffield. God-glorifying, Christ-honouring, spirit-filled, prayer-soaked, Bible-believing, actively evangelistic, supernaturally loving communities of believers. Whereas they meet together, the worship is sweet. The teaching rigorous, the fellowship real, the outreach passionate and the care for the downtrodden and marginalised practical. Where men and women of every race and language who are in this city can experience a foretaste of the heavenly banquet through the wonder of being part of God's family. I have a dream of these churches growing and flourishing to such an extent that whole communities begin to be transformed, crime reduced, poverty beginning to be eradicated, loneliness and isolation done away with because there are real communities where people can go and be befriended. I have a dream of churches all over this city that give hope to the hopeless and love to the loveless where the one true living God is known and glorified through his people living sacrificial lives where materialism is defeated, idolatry abhorred, selfishness challenged, individualism exposed. I have a dream for this great city of Sheffield. But I also have a nightmare. And in my nightmare, Sheffield is a city where huge conurbations have no real living church community, not one that holds out the pure gospel of Christ. In this nightmare of mine, real people who want to find out about Christ don't have anywhere near them where they can go to learn of Christ. And even when they go to buildings labelled churches and are among groups of people who call themselves Christian They hear nothing of the gospel of grace and forgiveness through the cross of Christ. In this nightmare that I have, once vibrant churches are now struggling little gatherings of people who have no energy to reach out and no no stomach to fight for truth. And they don't have the glory of God and the honour of Christ as their real goals in life anymore. They know little of the transforming power of the spirit as the word of God is taught. In these little struggling churches, evangelism is for them an optional extra and not the great commission. And in my nightmare, Christians love only those they like and worship half-heartedly and pray rarely. I have a nightmare where church families make no difference to the social communities they're in. They ignore the plight of the destitute and people who are not like them are, are not embraced. In this nightmare... There are churches all over the city that give false hope to the hopeless and only kind of sentimental love to the unlovely, where the one true living God is barely known and hardly glorified because his people know little of sacrifice because they're in the grip of materialism and idolatry. 
And in this nightmare, Christians look just like the world because they're caught up in selfish individualism. I have this nightmare. And when I wake up, so much of my nightmare is reality. Now let me ask you this uh, on this Sunday, this Vision Sunday. What do you want, the dream or the nightmare? It's a silly question. Any real born-again, spirit-filled, renewed Christian person will want the dream. We want the dream. But here's the question. Will we live for the dream? Work for it? Pray for it? Put ourselves out for it? Evangelise towards it? Live sacrificially to achieve it and give our time and our money to see it realised? That's why we want to plant churches so that more and more areas of this city have real vibrant Christian church families on their doorsteps. That's why we want to train leaders because to plant churches we need to train leaders. We need to train leaders to lead the churches we plant. and to, uh, We want to train leaders who will go to other parts of the country to plant churches and all over the world as mission partners to plant churches to see the gospel proclaimed wherever we can. And in all this, we need to grow forward. Our parish has about 6,000 people in it. At a guess, and it is purely a guess, 5,500 of them don't go to any Christian church. Well, God has put us here, and this is our first mission field. So while we have a vision for the city and further afield, we will not neglect the responsibility of growing Christchurch forward, both numerically, because everyone matters, And spiritually, because we should grow up in Christ. That's what this vision is about, Vision 2013. Where does this vision come from? Well, in one way, it comes from just one word in our Bible reading today. Just one word. We finally got to the Bible. It's there in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Do you see it? Jesus said, go. Go. That's that's the one word, go. Go. If you prefer a sentence, then, well, it's still in verse 19, and it begins with the word go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, Jesus said go. Don't wait for them to come, but go. And don't only go to those around you. Go to all nations. And so we must go to the four corners of the earth. I I rejoice in the rich missionary heritage of this church. Let's continue to send out people into the worldwide mission field. But let's also realise that as we go into this city, we find many of the nations of the earth have already come here. International students come here from Asia and Europe and Africa. In other parts of this city, there are whole communities of people groups where Western missionaries find it very hard and very dangerous to evangelise in their home nations. They've come here to Sheffield. If we go to other parts of Sheffield, we can influence significant parts of the world. So we must go. But let me uh, stop there for a moment. Uh, Some of you may be saying, hang on. Is it right to pick one word plucked from one verse to set the course of a church for the next 20 years? Is that right? Well, be sure and reassured that it is the context of that one word and that one sentence that sets the course of this church. Now, the immediate context, if you're still following along, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Look at verse 18, astonishing words. Then Jesus came to them. Then Jesus came to them. Only two chapters earlier, Jesus was dead. Then Jesus came to them. Now I know that you all know Jesus rose from the dead, but isn't that amazing? This Jesus who was dead is now alive. He came to them. Death is defeated. That's verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the immediate context of these words to go and tell, to go and make disciples of all nations. The immediate context is the resurrection of Jesus. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is declared ruler and king of the world. That's what we read in verse 18. Three things. Firstly, the resurrection of Jesus tells us that there is life beyond the grave. Jesus is ruler over death and that will motivate some to go. One of the uh, great privileges of my job is that I meet people in their most profound and and personal moments in life. I meet people as they prepare to be married. They come and talk to me. It's brilliant that they do that. I love it. I meet people when their children have just been born. They might come and talk to me about the children being baptised or how they bring them up. It's lovely. What a joy. And then I meet people as they face death. It's not easy, but it, again, is a privilege And not least of all, when I spend time with Christians in the very last days of their life, Christians who are ready to meet their God, let me tell you, it is inspiring and motivating when you meet with people like that. I can can think of a number down through the years, but uh, this time last year, uh, I spent time with Jill Senior. The way that she and Vince handled Jill's illness was an inspiration, as uh, others of you will know when you spent time with them Even when she was so very ill, Jill spoke of the way God had been faithful to her. Still speaking of God's faithfulness. Somebody wrote this on a card uh, that was uh, sent to uh, Vince after Jill died. She embraced every stage of life, even the last stage, in a way that declared hope in our faithful God. And those of you who met with her will know she trusted God and wanted to glorify him, whatever the outcome of her illness Remarkably, she had joy and patience in those very last days of her life. It was a great privilege to spend time with her. Jill Senior died well. And when you see somebody die like that, you begin to see the difference that knowing the risen Jesus makes. And let me tell you, when you see that, you want everyone to know Jesus before they die. And I know that's the motivation for some of you to go. Jesus is the Lord over death because of his resurrection. And secondly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead declares that Jesus is judge. It's an awesome thought to think that everyone, every, everyone, every boy and girl and man and woman who ever walked this planet, everyone is going to meet Jesus as their judge. I was in, uh, in London on Tuesday and uh, as I was travelling with my companion I saw uh, crowds of people on the tube. In fact on one occasion there was somebody behind me just sort of pushed me into the tube, uh, into, the, into the train that I was going to get onto and there we stood like sardines, crowds of us. Uh, and at uh, the train station uh, at St Pancras, just hordes of people as we were going down Oxford Street walking down the street, packed with people. 
And it is a sobering thought. Thousands and thousands of people all will come before Judge Jesus one day. You don't need to go to London to see it. You go to Meadow Hall on a busy Saturday and just look at the amount of cars in the car park. Go to the top of one of Sheffield's hills and, and look over the city and see the thousands and thousands of houses that lay out before you. And as you see that, think all the people who live in those houses, all the people who drive those cars, every one of them will meet Jesus as their judge one day. And I know that motivates some of you to go. The resurrection declares Jesus Lord over death and judge of all. And then it tells us that he is king. You see, that is verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the king. Jesus is the king who should be obeyed. And, and I know enough of you, I know most of you to know that you've obeyed him. And you know how good it is to obey King Jesus. His rule is gentle and wise and right. And following his ways makes so much sense of life and, and gives us the answers to the big questions of life. It's wonderful knowing King Jesus and following him. Someone said to me this the other day, I don't know how people live without Jesus. And so simply knowing Jesus as king is a motivation for some of you to go and make disciples. Do you see the immediate context that Jesus is risen from the dead gives us the motivation to go and make disciples. And in one sense, that's enough to make us want to go and to be involved in this vision. But there is a much wider context that Matthew has in mind that should motivate us to go. And um, as we look at the wider context... Um, Take note of three things from three verses. Again, I've put them all on the handout. This is where the handout might be especially helpful. Three things. Verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations. And verse 20, Jesus said, right at the end there, I am with you always. All authority, all nations, all ways. This is the all-embracing nature of who Jesus is. Now, with those uh, three things ringing in your ears, come back with me to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. And this is where we'll see uh, why Matthew writes as he does at the end, how he constructs his whole book, and how it all fits in to the greater big message of the whole Bible. Page 965. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. Now you'll see there, in the very first verse of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew declares that Jesus is the son of David and the son of Abraham. And in the genealogy that follows, he makes that point, um, that Jesus was descended from Abraham, you'll see from verses 2 to 6. That Jesus was descended from David, you'll see that in verses 6 to 11. And then he adds one further element... And that is that Jesus is the end of the exile. You'll see that in verses 12 to 16. And we know that Matthew intends us to see those three divisions in his summary of the Jesus lineage in verse 17. Do you see he says, Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. And that, those three things should make us think of three significant moments in biblical history. 
And at this point, I need to apologise that I've got two of the references the wrong way round on the um, on the handout, but you can spot them. The first is in Genesis chapter twelve, verses one to three. God promised Abraham, not David. God promised Abraham that one of his descendants would be a blessing to all nations. And so here, Matthew is saying, Jesus is that one. He is the one who is going to be the blessing to all nations promised back to Abraham. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14, God promised great King David that one of his descendants would have an everlasting kingdom. And Matthew is saying, Jesus is that one. Jesus is the king who is going to have an everlasting kingdom descended from David. And in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verses 18 to 20, we read there that the exile was all about being put out of the presence of the Lord. And Matthew here teaches us that Jesus is the end of the exile. If we're in Christ, God will be with us always. Or more importantly, we will be with him always. Now those three great Bible promises are seen to be true in Jesus and not least of all in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead which is why uh, Jesus speaks as he does at the end of Matthew chapter 28. Come back with me and just see how these all fit together. Matthew 28. Matthew 28 verse 18 then. Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me through his death and resurrection, he is, Jesus is, the son of David who's been given an everlasting kingdom and therefore all authority in heaven and earth. Matthew 28 verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Through his death and resurrection, we see that Jesus is the son of Abraham through whom all nations will be blessed. And Matthew 28 verse 20, surely I'm with you always. Through his death and resurrection, we see that Jesus is the way to come out of exile, to be in the presence of God always, to the very end of the age. And the point of all this, if you've just lost me, or I've just lost you for the last few moments, the point of all this, and especially for us on this Vision Sunday, the gospel of Jesus Christ is at the heart and centre of everything God has been doing through the history of the world the gospel doesn't just go back 2,000 years to when Jesus came and walked planet earth. The gospel goes back to the beginning of all things. The gospel was promised to Abraham as the solution to the rebellion of mankind in Adam. And here we see Jesus is shown to be the culmination of history. Here we see Jesus is seen to be the solution to mankind's great problem. And that Jesus, who is the culmination solution to the great problem of the world, says, go and make disciples of all nations. And so as we grab this one word, go, as we obey this one sentence, go and make disciples of all nations, we are being part of the big thing that God is doing. After all, we weren't just plucking one word and one verse out of context. This is the big thing that God is doing now has been doing since the beginning of the world and will do until Jesus Christ returns and it is the big thing that will shape the whole of eternity. I, um, I keep meeting people who are drifting in life. Uh, maybe you do too. People say to me, they don't know the point of life. What's it all about? Why am I here? 
Here's the point. This is what God is doing in history. What we do on Sundays is not a sideshow. As I buy into this, I am about what life is about. Christianity is not a hobby. You know that. It's not just a, a number of things that we do. I don't know about you, but I need to keep being reminded of that. Because I keep thinking other things are more important. Now look, you've got a lot more excuse than I have for this. You pay me to have my mind in this all the time and on the ball. And yet I've got to tell you, my mind's always drifting onto other things. As I turn the television on and watch the news, the BBC tells me that the the headlines, and as I listen to them, I begin to believe that what's happening at the Conservative Party conference and the the energy price rises and the, the stuttering economy, that's where the action is. Which is not to say those things are not important, but these are not the most important things. And again, if I share my heart with you, believe it or not, Because it gets so much airtime, at times, I even begin to believe that what really matters is bound up with global sporting events. I get so excited about them and think about them all the time. And that's why I need Matthew to tell me what really matters. When you're part of what God is doing in his world, when you're about the things Jesus Christ is about, then you're about the things that really matter. God is gathering a people to himself from all nations. A people who will one day be under his perfect rule in his presence forever. And it all comes through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the action is. And that's where our vision comes from. To go and make disciples of all nations. And we're trying to work that out by going to Fulwood and and to Sheffield and beyond to plant churches all over this city. And you might say to me, that's a big vision. Yeah, it is. And you might say to me, it can never be done. Maybe not. But let's have a go. And why can't it be done? Christchurch Central has just planted another church. Eight, nine, ten years after it began, they're now a church planting church. We planted three churches in the last three years. We plan to plant another three or four in the next, I don't know, uh, ten years. Ten churches planted, all becoming planting churches. In ten years, they might all plant a church, that's 20. In another ten years, they might all plant a church, that's 40. I'll leave the figures to Paul. You can do the rest. It's only multiplying by two every ten years. We could have churches all over the city to plant churches all over the city, to train leaders to lead those churches and to go all over the world in international mission, to grow forward, not for our sake, but for the glory of God, for the saving of people in this city, in this area, and to present everyone mature in Christ. So this is our vision, which I hope you'll see is not our vision at all. It's God's vision, if I may put it that way. It's God's mission. And we're just wanting to be part of it. And trying to maximise our resources in it. And by investing in this, we are investing in something that is big. Or really big. In that there's nothing bigger. And what's more, and this is exciting, by investing in this, we are partners in this big thing that God is doing. So there it is. Will you read the booklet? 
carefully and prayerfully consider how you might be part of the vision. And let's live the dream. And know that when we get to the end of our lives, we can look back and say, we may not have had much, but we used what we had for something that really matters, for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we're humbled by the thought that you, the almighty God of all the world, should want to involve us in the mission that you have for the world. We're humbled that that we're um, sinful men and women who deserve nothing of your goodness, and yet you not only save us, but then you involve us. And we ask you, please, to help us to be excited about that thought. Uh, to think about the thought that we can make a difference in this world as we partner with you. Excited to think that we can, if we may put it this way, change eternity. Uh, Excited to think we can change lives now. And so we ask you, please, to help us when we take our eye off the ball to keep coming back to this wonderful commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And to do our best here as a church family and both individually and collectively to do our best to make these visions, this mission, a reality. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.